This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. I was deeply saddened to hear of the recent passing of another pastor through suicide. Our hearts and prayers were joined with the loved ones and the family members. But I also began to think of the many today who seem to be battling and struggling with brokenness and depression and stress, internal pain and struggle and PTSD. It seems overwhelming at times and wondering what it is in our society today that there's such a battle. And of course, not just for pastors and leaders, but for all of us that we're going through challenges and But in the context of today's message, I want to talk about pastors because they are our caregivers. They're the ones that we are looking to for leadership, spiritual leadership, and and biblical counseling. But recognizing they too need our prayers, and they are people that need us to hold their arms up because they, like us, are human. I like what Pastor Greg Laurie of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California said. He said, that at times like this, there are just no words. He also says, we do not live on explanations, but on promises. He goes on to say, at the end of the day, pastors are just people who need to reach out to God for his help and strength each and every day. He goes on to say, at times like this, we must remember that as Christians, we must fall back on what we do know, not on what we don't know. And I like the analogy he gives out of the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 39. He says, over the years, I have found that people speak out about what they struggle with the most. One dark moment in a Christian's life cannot undo what Christ did for us on the cross. Romans, he says, the book of Romans reminds us that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You know, I too understand that all of us go through moments of deep depression or darkness or unexpected detours. In my previous podcast, I've shared some stories of my own challenges over the last 38 plus years in ministry. And even a a few years ago, going through an unexpected detour, finding out I had lymphoma cancer. We all are confronted with difficulties, but we need an outlet and feeling comfortable to be able to share our hearts and our inner burdens with others and not to feel like we have to contain them and that they're self-contained and bottled up that, that no one else would understand or relate to us. I would encourage you today, it's important for us to hold up the arms of our pastors. Now, I know it's not just pastors and leaders that go through times like this, but in the context of today's podcast, I want us to understand something because pastors are our go-to people. There are ones who are to be our biblical uh, uh, counselors are to be our our caregivers. They're the ones who are laying out spiritual foundations and fundamentals for us out of the Word of God to help us to be able to go through this journey of life and through the wilderness of times that we go through to the place of victory. And when our spiritual leaders are struggling, we need to hold up their arms. They are carrying a burden. In fact, Hebrews chapter 13, 17 speaks of that these leaders, these pastors, our spiritual leaders are responsible to God. They're to watch over our souls, and and they have to give an account to God. But let them do so with joy and not with groaning, for that would be uh, no advantage to us. So let us not judge quickly. Let us not have all of our opinions and being the opinionators uh, uh, in in the grandstands of life, but let us be those who are sensitive 
not trying to explain or understand, but just be sensitive at times like this to pray for our leaders. I know there's a lot of leaders that fail us, but they are also in the human in their human frailty, they will fail us. We but they are to represent Christ. So we're like Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Not imitate me as I imitate myself or imitate the flesh, but imitate me as I imitate Christ or as I follow Christ. As I've said before, God is not looking for clones of modern day Christianity, but of imitators of Christ. Look, I tell people all the time. Even those who I've had the pleasure of directing towards Christ over the years and, and helping to disciple and being a spiritual mentor in people's lives, I've told them from the very get-go, I will always fail you in my humanness, in my human frailty, in my flaws. But imitate Christ. Where I direct you to Christ, Christ will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is your hope. He's your vision of hope. He's your vision of destination. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 says, says to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. So I'm reminded of myself often, and I remind others often, that I'm but mere human frailty. I am a human being who can fail you. But where I direct you to Christ, in His Word, He will never fail you. He will never let you down. So let's consider praying even for our pastors and leaders, right? In fact, I want to stop for a moment and I want to pray right now. If you're a pastor, if you're a leader, a ministry leader, I want to tell you that, that thank God for you that you said yes to God's calling. And even for those who have maybe gotten off your moorings and untethered from the direction God had called you to, would you take a moment now to say, God, help me to get back to the privilege of your calling. It's not about our self-adulation. It's not about celebrity. It's not about building some great personal kingdom. It really is a privilege of calling to surrender to the call of God, to love God passionately, to love people, have compassion for people, and help by biblical understanding, sharing God's word to help bring victory in the lives of others that, that look to us for leadership. And so I know it's not easy when you have to carry on the burdens of, of the responsibilities. Every day. I know, even, even recently, going through all the hurricane stuff, even recent Hurricane Dorian and the responsibility, the, the text messages, the emails, the voice messages, the phone calls. I get bombarded with people with needs and people that, that want to meet a need. And it's a privilege to do so, but it can become very overwhelming and stressful, especially when we're still involved in other relief efforts and everyday crises in cities across our nation and around the world involved in missions. There's so many responsibilities placed and it's way above my normal capacity or my human pay grade, so to speak. But I know by the grace of God, only by the grace of God, and when I recognize it's only the great and amazing and abounding grace of God, can we walk through these things to help others find their place of victory. Our offices in Houston, Texas received the following email. Pastor Doug, I know you have connections for people all over. My half-sister notified me that trees have fallen on her mother's house and left a gaping hole in the roof. Her mother is 81 years old and cares for her other daughter who is 62 and disabled. I'm trying to find someone who can fix the roof. They live in Birmingham, Alabama. We read the email and quickly reached out to the Somebody Cares Network. Within moments, we had a connection. A roofing company in Birmingham was willing to assess the situation and make the needed repairs. Somebody Cares is a net that works. We need people like you to help so that we can continue to serve others. If you'd like to join us, visit somebodycares.org, or you can text your donation amount to 805-422-7348. 
That's 805-4CARE-48. And so in the middle of all these things and juggling all these balls and, and trying to figure out the best direction to help even in the Bahamas after Hurricane Dorian as a Category 5 went through the Bahamas, in the middle of all that, and then I read these stories of what's going on in our cities across our nation and reading about what happened to most recently this pastor that, that took his life and, and hearing stories of personal friends, same deal, going through dark times of the soul those that are going through depression, those who've tried to commit suicide, those who feel no recourse but to leave the ministry because they just don't know what else to do. They feel so overwhelmed and, and underqualified or feel no capacity to fulfill what's put on them to do. And even the those in the, the people putting responsibilities and putting undue expectations on people as well. Yes, it's partly us as leaders who have to step it up and say, yes, we take responsibility for this. And it's our it's part of what we do because we're called into it. And there's a lot of great joys of being in ministry, being in leadership in whatever capacity, of being a pioneer. But it comes with a, with a price. It comes with a price that is paid. It comes with sacrifices made. And so we need others who can gather with us, hear our hearts, a place to, to have a, a sounding board to be able to express what we're going through and not feel like we have to be shamed or, or feel condemned for being honest with what we're going through. I was rereading something that Dr. Tim Clinton at Liberty University and the uh, president of the American Association of Christian Counselors put together, I think, over a year ago. And he talked about, yes, pastors matter. And he says, it can be lonely being a pastor. My dad served for more than 50 years in pastoral ministry, primarily in central Pennsylvania. And he says, as a boy, I would watch him selflessly give of his heart and time for the calling that God placed on his life. And while there were moments of pure joy and a clear leading of the Lord in his ministry, there were also some, very, some times of deep valleys and confusion. No position has a higher calling than those whose feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, he says, as Paul, quoting Paul in Ephesians 6, verse 15. However, if your ministry is providing value to the kingdom, I believe all hell will be against you. I can relate to that personally. I've gone through, just like Nehemiah, the times of being slandered, uh, uh, being accused, or the threat of attacks, the slanders and attacks and the murmuring, and even the, the threats of, of the enemy trying to call me to compromise and just let up a little bit. But all of us have to walk in the lane that God's called us to walk in, to be faithful to the calling God has given us. The gifting God has given you may be different in mine than mine than yours, but we are called nonetheless to stay in our lane and together recognizing we can't be a part of something by ourselves. We're part of something greater than ourselves. And so it's important for us to realize that as we stay in our lane and we walk in our giftings, that there will be spiritual attacks. There will be times when the enemy will try to lie to us and he gets to us through the shar'ar, the gateway of our, to our heart is through our mind and through our eye gate, through our hearing, through our thoughts. And these are things that we have to guard, guard our hearts and minds for out of it flow the issues of life. And to find the findings, uh, the startling findings from pastors at, at greater risk by H.B. London Jr. and Neil B. Wiseman, um, Tim Clinton quotes them and says this, 90% of pastors work more than 46 hours a week. 80% believe that pastoral ministry affects their family negatively. 33% believe that being in ministry is an outright hazard to their families. 50% feel unable to meet the needs of the job. 75% report they had an 
a significant stress-related crisis at least once in their ministries. He goes on to say, pastors are human. They have families that they love, pray for, and struggle with every day. Ministry marriages deal with their own unique struggles, not to mention the challenges of marriage that are realities for all of us. Marriages take time and work and can be filled with disaffection and distance. Pastors' overly demanding schedules can make it seem like they are married to the ministry more than their spouses. Also, pastors may have interpersonal issues where they struggle with what it means to be successful. Doubt, discouragement, depression, or anxiety, most are very underpaid. They can serve a congregation of sheep that is often not very docile. Sheep that bite, kick, and do not appreciate them. Even low that despise them in some instances. Now, this isn't true all the time, because but most pastors in this country don't serve in large congregations. Instead, they serve, uh, like uh, Dr. Clinton said, like their dad, his dad, in rural in a rural part of the country, in churches of small congregations, charged with responsibility of faithfully serving and leading God's people. Most pastors get little if any affirmation and appreciation. However, they need it. Buckets of it, in fact, he says. You know, he goes on to give a, a current update. A newly revised statistic shows this, that 70% or 72% of the pastors report working 55 to 75 hours per week. I can relate to that. And especially in, in these unexpected detours of hurricanes and fires or, or, or storms or floods, it increases because you're in the middle of a stage one crisis. And there are crises that happens in our communities, in our cities. But when you have a major disaster like that, it increases for those of us who are engaged in trying to mobilize help and connect the dots and put ministries together and, and help each other to work in tandem to help the needs of the people that are suffering. But the average 72% of pastors report that they work at least 55 to 75 hours per week. And again, I, I can relate to that. 84% of pastors feel they are on call 24-7. I can relate to that. 80% believe pastoral ministry has negatively affected their families. Many pastors, their children do not attend church now because of what the church had done to their parents, at least in their perception. 65% of pastors feel their family lives in a glass house and fear they're not good enough to meet the expectations. You know, I just want to stop there for a moment because, you know, we have a, a, a saying in our ministry, EDRs, expectations destroy relationships. And let me explain what that means. Unmet expectations or perceived expectations that are unmet can destroy the relationships. And I believe truly that the kingdom of God is built on relationships first with God and then with one another. But oftentimes people create expectations on leaders or on pastors that they themselves can't live up to. I, I, I remember over the years people saying, why weren't you, didn't you do this? And why weren't you there then? Or you should have done this or you shouldn't have done that. It's easy to second guess, but not live in the shoes of those who are walking through that. I remember the sons of thunder in scripture when their, mo their mom said to Jesus, can one of my sons sit on the right and the other on the left of you when you're under the kingdom? And he goes, you don't know what you're asking. And he says, can they drink of the cup that I drink? And without thinking it through, they said, of course. And of course, history goes on that they died some gruesome deaths. But the reality is that we don't realize exactly what other people are walking through. We have to be empathetic. And I remember a book years ago that I thought was really great talked about the windows of the soul. It's one thing to look through a window 
It's another thing to see in the wind through the windows of someone's soul, their life experiences, the things they've been through, where they are today. That's why I talk to people all the time. I talk to my own family and others saying, let's be careful how we criticize or judge others. Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole used to say, we, we tend to judge others by what they do and ourselves by our good intentions. Well, that's so true. It's easy to be easy on ourselves where we expect more of other people. But let's give grace. If we want grace, we have to expend grace. We have to give grace to others because it's the great and amazing and abounding grace of God that we've all been allotted to by the grace of God. Unmerited favor, but God's given us His grace by something we did not deserve and we did not earn on our own, but He freely gave to us. And so we have to expend grace to others. It's one thing to be discerning but oftentimes what we think is discerning is just being critical and judgmental. So we have to be careful of, of expectations, or what we call EDRs, expectations that destroy relationships. It's another thing in our ministry why we always say if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. It used to be that a handshake or your word was your bond, but we believe it's important that we need to be clear about our expectations to make sure that unexpected or uh, uh, unmet expectations don't destroy the relationships with each other. And so then the other, it says that 23% of pastors report being distant to their family. 78% of pastors report having their vacation and personal time interrupted with ministry duties or expectations. Just recently, the vice president of our ministry uh, was taking a few days off with her husband, much needed time. And that's when a hurricane came along, another crisis disaster. We're in the middle of that. And I was trying the best we could to insulate her because I didn't want her to have to be so engaged in responding to the crisis, although there's always going to be a crisis. Jesus said, the poor will be with you always. There's always going to be a crisis. And so we, with internally within our ministry and our ministry relationships, decided let's try to insulate her so she doesn't feel overwhelmed to be disrupted from her time with her husband in the days that she needed in some vacation time. But that's easier said than done, isn't it? And then 65% of pastors feel they have not taken enough vacation time with their family over the last five years. You know, I'm guilty of that. I'm just going to be transparent and honest. You know, before I got married, I, I, I doubt if I ever really took a vacation. I just couldn't see myself. People would try to uh, offer me vacations and do things. And when I go somewhere, I involve, get involved with ministry. And, and that's a part of All of us have different, uh, you know, we have different outlets. So I wrote an article uh, for college back golly, 40-something years ago, 40-something years ago, and it was called uh, work, The Balance Between Work, Leisure, and Play. But I talked about how for some, uh, leisure is, uh, and play are, are, are also part of their work, and so and vice versa, where for some, it, it, to, for me to do something would be work to others, it might be their leisure, they enjoy reading, or someone else has a hard time reading, or I've had friends says, I have a hard time finishing a book. Well, to them, that's work. For me, reading a book is leisure. I, I love sitting down and just getting a chance just to take my time, take a breather, not answer emails or phone calls, and just take time to read through books and read through things and read through articles. For me, that's leisure. It's not work. But to others, it might be work. So we have to understand, what is our leisure, work, and play? But when I got married, and especially after I went through a year of chemo and, and struggling through and still ministering, and by the grace of God, traveling and ministering only by the grace of God, that I also... Um, uh, through that process, found myself forgetting that my wife was having to see through her lens, being the caregiver, being the one standing there with me, being the one praying me through, that uh, that she was going through her own struggles. And one day we 
left a church that I was helping out after going through the chemo and traveling and been through this crisis and finally got the good news that I was on, on in remission. And so we were leaving this church on a Sunday. We've been helping with the elders and transitioning this particular congregation. We stopped at a coffee shop on the way home, and, and I got out of the car, and I saw my wife was sniffling. She had tears. I said, I said, Lisa, what's wrong? And she said something. I said, what did you say? And she simply said, I need my husband back. I said, what do you mean, honey? And she began to say this whole journey, fighting for you, contending for you, and fighting for your life and as your wife, and, and just and now you're in the middle of all these other things, helping so many people. I need you back. And so I heard the desperation of her heart. And so I literally uh, had to go home that night, and I repented to her and to my daughter and to my mother-in-law who lives with us. And immediately I said, okay, just like we have schedules, and I'm keeping up with so many schedules being pulled on in so many different directions, we looked at my calendar and says, we have got to slot out a time, and we have to make an appointment for a family vacation. And so although we ne didn't necessarily have all the resources needed, I found we had enough airline points and hotel points and, and other things that we were able to put together a great family vacation to Hawaii for like six or seven days. And I didn't realize till after the third day when I was thawing out and realizing how much I really needed this. You see, a lot of times we don't realize how much we need personal time and how much we need vacation, and we need to schedule those times in. I, I make it a, a demand in my own life that I take at least one day a week to honor the Sabbath, because that's one of the Ten Commandments. Not that I live by the law, but Jesus said that the, that the, the Sabbath, uh, we were not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for us, so that we can find a day of rest. So it may not be the same day each week, but I recognize there has to be a day I can shut down, turn everything off, and take some time just to be with the family and be with the Lord. The same thing is I've got to be better at is scheduling vacation time and budgeting for that because it's a necessity. It's not a want, it's not, it's, but it's a necessity that we do have to do as leaders, don't we? All of us need to spend time with the Lord and get our Sabbath time, but also take a few days here and there and spend time just with your family, with the Lord, and take some vacation time. And that might be a staycation for some. For me, sometimes I travel so much, a staycation for a few days would be nice. Just to sit on my porch and have coffee and read and be with the family. But for everyone, there has to be something scheduled. I can go on and on with all these statistics, and I, I won't go into all of them. But these are just some of the statistics that, um, but one of them is that over 50% of pastors feel overworked and cannot meet their church's unrealistic expectations. 80% of pastors expect uh, pastors expect conflict with their church. They know there's going to be conflict. You know, all of us start out that we, we just love God and love people. And we find ourselves in the institution of ministry or business or church and having to do all the logistical things and the, the daily things that can overwhelm us. And we forget the passion by which we are first called. That's true of doctors. It's true of, of people who start out and medical professionals, nurses who might start out because you care uh, for people and want to help them medically or uh, professional counselors, but when you hear things over and over and over, as a pastor, as a uh, as a uh, pastoral counselor myself, I hear so much information on a daily basis. I hear so many needs of people, cancer, marriage crisis, 
diseases, sickness, uh, drug addictions, homelessness. I get so much information. I get overloaded. And my heart, I'm the kind of person, I'm, I'm a very people-oriented person, so I tend to imbibe all of that throughout the day, and I have to find an outlet when I get home. And so one of the things that people joke about, they say, Doug, you go to the gym a lot. When you, even when you travel, you try to exercise. And, and somebody's jokingly said to me, do you have license to carry those guns? And I said, what are you talking about? And here I'm, I'll be 63 later this year, and, and uh, they were talking about my, my, my biceps. And I, so I got a good chuckle. I told my wife, hey, you know, somebody asked me if I had license to carry these things. She started laughing. But, you know, for me, it used to be that something I would like to do, go to the gym on a regular basis. Maybe when I was younger, it was more of an athletic, egotistical thing in some way. But now it's not so much an ego boost. It's a necessity for me. I exercise because it becomes my stress outlet. I realize I have to get the cobwebs out of my brain. I have to make sure that I feel better about my temple, that I'm stewarding this temple of the Holy Spirit. But for me, it's an outlet. I have to read. I like to get in God's Word. I like to spend time with the Lord. But I also like to go literally to the gym, beat up the weights. Some people are great at cardiovascular stuff. I, I'm too old for that. I, I like working out on the weights and beating up the weights even at my age. And so for me, it's a stress release. It's a necessity, not an ego boost. And all of us need to find a stress release because we're all bombarded with things that come against us, stress that compounds and will even affect us physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually if we don't take care of our temple and take care of finding a way of releasing the stress in our lives. So there's so many other statistics that uh, Dr. Clinton talks about here. But let me go over some scriptures that I feel like are very important and some action plans for us to pray about as we conclude this particular podcast. And uh, of course, it could go on for hours to talk about all the needs and what you may be going through and people that you know they're going through. And, and I get, like I said, every day I get bombarded with emails, phone calls, people that I care about that are dealing with diseases or cancers or conflicts in marriages or or, or even de depression and other things. There's so much that can overwhelm us. So then you compound that with the daily news and world news and political polarization and, and division in our country and around the world. You hear all that stuff and it just begins to pull, pull on us and weighs us down and we have to wash our mind and get back on keeping the right perspective and focus, keeping our vision of hope, our vision of destination, and not what we're going through. The late Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, the founder of the Christian Men's Network, had been a great influence in my life. And he used to say this, that winners look at where they're going, not what they're going through. That doesn't mean that we're losers if, we, if we've gotten distracted or we get detoured. But what I'm saying is, the point is, is keep your vision of destination. Because the world and the battles that rage for your life, the, the darkness and the dark place of the soul comes when the enemy grabs a hold of our thinking and our minds, gets us distracted from our destination and from the greater purpose God has for us. You know, Psalm 61, 1 and 2 uh, comes back to mind when he says here, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. I've been there so many times. And I realize in a visual I get that I have to, it's like God picks me up out of the crowd and he puts me up on his shoulders. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will call to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When my heart is overwhelmed, I have no other place to go. I know that no individual 
Nobody that, I, that cares for me is going to be able to go to those places sometimes only God and I can go to. So I ask God in those moments when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. What is that? I get a visual of God taking me from a crowd, from, from being overwhelmed in the crowd, and he picks me up and puts me on his shoulders to give me a different vantage point. I'm not looking up at the circumstance and the chaos, but I'm on his shoulders looking down at it, getting a better perspective. Perspective is so important for me that if I can keep my perspective, regardless of what the, the slanders, the accusations, the, the responsibilities, the things that go on around me, the noise pollution, if I can just get a different perspective and the vantage point of being on the shoulders of the Lord, on the rock that is higher than I, then I can begin to sort through some of the, the chaos that's in this world. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. And I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, when the Lord says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm also reminded, and this is a scripture I want to give to you today, that Psalms 112, verse 1 through 9. You can read through the whole thing, and, and there's so much written, richness in, that, in th those nine verses of Psalms 112, verse 1 through 9. But let me give you just a, a paraphrase of, of what I find in that. Psalms 110, verse 1 through 9 reminds me that even in the darkest moments, even in difficult times, the light dawns for the upright. And I ask the Lord, God, you uphold the upright. God, I pray you would help me by your grace to be lifted up on your shoulders. So he reminds me in Psalms 112, verse 1 through 9, that even through difficulties, even through difficult times, even through dark times, his light dawns in the darkness. And then he says, those who are gracious, compassionate, righteous, generous, lends freely, scatters gifts to the poor, and walks justly, they will never be shaken will be reminded forever, have no fear of bad news, for our heart is steadfast and trusting in God. Our heart is secure, there's no fear, but we will triumph when His horn is lifted up high in honor. So I, my prayer is that for all of us, we all go through difficulties, and we, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But let's be reminded, fix our eyes on Jesus, fix our hope, keep our vision of hope, our vision of destination, not what we're going through, and know this, that if we continue to ask the Lord by His grace to be a people that are gracious and compassionate, walk uprightly and righteous, and we're generous, and we lend freely, we scatter gifts to the poor, we walk uprightly and justly, we will not be ashamed, we will not be shaken, and we will be remembered forever, and we will, will not have to fear of the negative news, but we can keep our hope on the good news, because the good news is the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our hearts can be steadfast and trust in God, for our heart is secure. We're not in fear. We will triumph. In fact, I love this scripture. In 2 Corinthians 2, 14, it says that we, that we thank God who always leads us into victory or triumph in Christ Jesus. In other words, because we will become dispensers or sprayers of the fragrance of the wisdom of God and the favor of God and the, and the fragrance of heaven. So God reminds us that we can trust Him we will always triumph in him to be a fragrance for God, and his horn will be lifted high in honor. So I pray today for each and every one of you that no matter what you're going through, remember this, as Pastor Greg Laurie says, we don't live on explanations but on promises. God has a lot of promises for you and me today. God has a lot of things he wants to do yet for you and me in our lives. So let us remember, let us keep working through those challenges by keeping our eyes fixed, keep our uh, vision of hope and destination, that it is the grace of God poured out on us. 
And, and let us remember this, especially for those out there listening who are pastors, first responders, those maybe like me is involved in the middle of disaster response and, and relief efforts, even long-term recovery things that are going on. Those of you who are involved in stressful, in stressful jobs or ministries, remember this, no matter what you're going through, no matter what storm you're going through, crisis you've been through or coming through, understand the importance of being prepared emotionally, spiritually, uh, mentally, in every way. And to do that, we need to formulate a care plan for ourselves and for those around us because we don't want to be those who are defeated by the circumstance. We want to be those who truly are those being used by God to bring hope in the midst of difficult circumstances. We don't have all the answers, but we know this one thing. If God be for us, who can be against us? It's important for us to know our, the physical signs of trauma in our lives or those friends around you. If you have friends that are going through trauma and you see paleness or lethargy or fatigue or poor concentration, a racing heartbeat or having panic attacks or anxiety, if you see these signs, please encourage your friends. Or if you're going through this, would you reach out to someone? Let people know that you need a listening ear. You need someone to vent to because you don't have to carry this alone. And if you're a person listening right now and you're struggling with anxiety or depression or other crisis, please don't be afraid to reach out to us today. Email me at prayer at somebodycares.org or call my office at 713-621-1498. That's 713-621-1498. And we will direct you to re referrals that we have. One great referral is a good friend, Dr. Paul Van Valen, PhD. He's a licensed clinical psychologist. He's also the director of Eden Counseling Consultation, and he also started First Fruits Crisis Response and Eden Family Institute. And there's other great psychologists and professional Christian counselors that we work with that we truly recommend and we trust because we've worked with them over the years, and they especially have a heart for pastors and leaders. And so please don't feel that you have no recourse, but turn for help. If you don't have help already in your area, feel free to contact me, prayer at somebodycares.org or call my office 713-621-1498 and we will make sure we find someone for you or an area of counsel for you in your area. God bless you. Until next time, uh, go in peace and may the Lord Jesus Christ grant you the desires of your heart today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805 422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.